Okay, folks, how are you out there? I hope you're having a really good day. This is your girl, Jessica Mason, on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio's platform, and I'm here with Susan James. Susan, how are you? I'm good, good. Thanks for having me. Oh, good. No, it's always a pleasure to uh, see you. I'm, I'm, I'm bummed I haven't been able to see you in person at the facilities um, with us being in quarantine and such, but I'm glad to know that you're doing well. So let me ask you something. What are uh, some of the responsibilities that your position entails? Well, essentially, I do clerical support for the public sector, mm -hmm. and most of my duties are regarding information and specifically data entry. I just take information, assimilate the information, and put it into a format that can then be audited. So that's my role. It's essentially the type of work that puts me in contact normally with a number of people mostly in person, but some on the phone. It was interesting, you know, I'm working from home these days, and okay. I'm grateful that I'm still able to earn a paycheck. Absolutely. Um, I'm really grateful that the organization that I work for was able to set up a remote system so that myself and my colleagues could work in the field. So that's been great. And technology has always been a little bit of a stressor for me. You know, prior to working from home, I only had a limited setup at my apartment here in New York City because I didn't really need to do much work from home. I had an office to go to every day. Right. And what's been different about that has been taking a look at the technology than the resources that I have at home and using them, putting them into practice for my day job. Um, the tech department at my organization was phenomenal in setting up a, uh, a virtual private network so that I'm able to interface with what used to be my desktop at my office. I'm able to interface with that network and do all of my work from home, and I'm grateful for that. My calls are being forwarded from my desk phone to my cell phone, so I'm still able to interact with colleagues via phone. It's difficult dealing with the isolation. You know, I live alone. I don't have a family here at home. Um, I live by myself here in New York City, and I'm really feeling the effects of the isolation, more so than perhaps someone who has a partner or who has kids in the house. Mm -hmm. I'm noticing that it is kicking up a little bit of mild depression, but I have a therapist that I work with here in the city. I've been in therapy for years. And she's phenomenal. And it's, I'm grateful to know that what I'm experiencing seems to be within the realm of a normal human experience to a difficult situation. So I'm not raising any flags about what I'm going through. I think everyone's going through this. So has that been the most um, difficult part of the transition is the fact that you, like the lack of human contact? I would say yes. Structurally, I'm fine. The other aspect to working remotely is that I still punch a clock. You know, in my day job at the office, we used an internet portal to 
clock on and clock off for lunch and then clock back in again for the afternoon and clock out at night. So I still have that routine. So I start my morning, I get my coffee ready, everything. I sit down at my computer, I log on and I clock in. And I'm grateful for the consistency of hours. I'm grateful for the structure that it gives me. Mm-hmm. I was unemployed for a period in 2015 and without the structure, it was really hard to function without a structured day. I work really well when I'm given deadlines and when I have a structure and time management is something that I really treasure. And that's very important. It's, um, it's really easy to get um, caught up, especially when you're home and you're not Oh, when you're away from the office, you tend to be a little bit more relaxed when you're home in your own environment. So having that structure and that discipline to maintain that structure, I think is very important. It is. I think it's good for my mental health because I really noticed that how, how different it is being at home all day with, with something to do, as opposed to that period in 2015 when all I was doing was you know, doing online job applications and stressing out about money and and not having structure to my day, it was detrimental to my emotional well-being. I I enjoy working. I think if my organization had sent us home without any work to do at home, but just kept us on the payroll, I wouldn't be happy. I'll be honest. I would be happy just collecting a paycheck without putting in some productivity on my end. That's maybe that's an exaggerated work ethic, but that's how I feel. I need to have a purpose. I need to feel that fulfillment. And so I'm grateful that I'm able to work from home, that my organization set it up and made it easy. Apparently, the system was in place months, if not a couple of years prior to the pandemic. We were ready to go live in mid-March, yes. I'm so grateful for that. It was interesting in the office in the weeks leading up to the stay-at-home orders that the governor issued for non-essential workers, and I'm considered a non-essential worker. It doesn't make me feel any less important in the role that I do play at my at my organization, but I do feel that I'm helping the pandemic situation by not constantly putting myself out there and possibly spreading something, catching something and spreading it some more. But during the weeks that we were all still in the office, my colleagues would come and go, they would do their work out in the field, they would be back and forth. And the conversations usually are about the projects at hand. But in between those conversations, you could hear the tension and the anxiety as news reports were coming in about the first patient in Washington State. And then it's spreading a little bit and reports of it spreading, reports of the first cases in New York State. As information was coming to us day by day, Mm -hmm. and we're reading articles and trying to figure out what to do about it. My colleagues really amped up their own personal anxiety. And I want to say that they handled it beautifully and with professionalism, of course, but I could hear the anxiety in their voices. There was a certain pitch to their voices that changed over time as people began to learn more and more about what was going on and to start discussing what might be coming down the pike for us, people were becoming nervous. And there wasn't much that we could do except to try to support each other in this. 
I remember when, you know, I traveled by subway. Many of my coworkers traveled by car, but I traveled by subway. Okay. So I was one of the first people that somebody handed a mask to, you know, mm. somebody handed me a mask. They were like, please use this. Do you have gloves? Do you have, do you need more masks? Take a few of them. You know, people were supporting each other. Whatever resources we had, we gave to each other. I remember one of my coworkers who has a couple of young children was speaking to me towards the end of the day. And I had been using one of the hospital style surgical masks, little kind of loose paper ones. Uh-huh. And I'm not using it in the office, but only using it in my travels. And he said, okay. you know, my 10 year old son, we had to run an errand the other day. And all I had was an N95 mask from work and it doesn't fit the kid and he's really mm. unhappy about it and I said oh well hi here I have an extra one of these masks take this he'll probably be more comfortable and if he's small like me he'll probably be perfect mm. but then I thought about it later on after work and I thought about how upsetting it must be for my co-worker to have to ask his children to wear a mask and how to explain it to your children about what's really going on in, in this day and age, trying to reassure a 10-year-old boy that he was going to be okay, but he needed to take this precaution and wear a mask. And, and it's so foreign to us as grown-ups, but it's got to be completely frightening to children as well. So I really, my heart went out to my coworker. I really just felt for him and how heartbreaking that whole situation had to have been. Imagine, I mean, I don't, I don't have children myself, but I have friends who have children. And, you know, as far as the technology of things going, um, they're adjusting to that really well because they were born into it, most of them. Some of them even want to go back to school because they miss their friends. I think most folks forget that outside of actually having to get up in the morning and go to school and then having to do schoolwork and everything like that. For children, school, that's their social environment. Yeah, I agree. I, I feel like it's not just the children who are suffering. Definitely yeah. us adults, we don't get to see each other. Mm-hmm. I think my relationships with my coworkers never felt so important as they do now. Yeah. On the rare occasions that I speak with a couple of these people, I'm so grateful for that moment to just check in and say, how are you? How's your family? Mm-hmm. You know, the kind of conversations we would normally have over morning coffee at the office suddenly become vital conversations. Absolutely, absolutely. Even for us, work sometimes can be a social environment as well, and human interaction is very, very important. So let me ask you this. With that being said, when hopefully, you know, keeping my own fingers crossed when this is so all said and done and we're managing to go back to some sense of normalcy in our living, hopefully, you know, is this something that you would want to continue or are you itching to go back to the office? Well, it's good to know that I am able to function as a work from home kind of person. Should Mm -hmm. I ever find myself in an occupation where I'm asked to work from home as part of, as part of the structure, Mm -hmm. I know I can do it now. I know how, how to run my day. I know how to keep everything to a regular schedule and take breaks when I'm scheduled to take a break. And, to set a structure for myself. So I now know some, some lessons learned in this particular experiment. But I, I can't wait to get back. I was just talking with one of my coworkers today, and he's like, so how are you liking it? And I'm like, I'm not. I'm really not. I cannot wait to get back to my desk, to my desktop computer, 
to the copy machine that's next to my desk. Um, I have all the files that I need for references. I have everything that I want at my desk. Uh, there's a coffee maker near the window. I'm happy about that. I have that at home, but it's nice to know that that office is still waiting for me as soon as I'm able to get back. And so I just kind of keep checking my email to see about, you know, the administration of our organization at whatever point they feel comfortable with saying, okay, now you can return to the office. I'll be one of the first people to raise my hand and say, yeah, let me go, please, please. Mm -hmm. No, I, I completely understand that, Susan. Now, let, let me just switch gears for you for a second. Um, you know, outside of work, outside of that, I know you are a major podcaster. Have you been able to keep, um, you know, your podcast going? Yes, and I have to say one of the reasons that I'm able to continue producing the podcast is that I have a co-producer and he and I alternate a monthly episode. So we nice. only release one episode a month. Okay. We only we release it on the first of the month. Um, the organization that he works for and who is who started this project, they have their own SoundCloud account and so they have their own okay. RSS feed. So they can launch there and simultaneously I launch through Brooklyn Free Speech. So it gets out to as many people as possible. And I'm, I'm grateful that I have a co-producer who has been editing audio for like 30 years. Nice. Because this last, this most recent episode, which launched on May 1st, unfortunately, I couldn't edit that myself. I was working with a computer that didn't have enough RAM to mm. operate the system that I really wanted to edit in. So I was very limited and I spoke with my co-producer. He's like, just hand me the raw clips and let me assemble it for you. It's still your production, but let me just do the, do the heavy lifting for you. And I was so grateful. The podcast sounds amazing. Nice. It sounds amazing. I'm actually looking forward to buying some new equipment to do a little bit more work from home. I got to say though, I work really well at Brick. I really work well in the facilities in the media center at Brick because when I sit down in front of a computer to do some editing, I feel like I'm in, in a workspace. Okay. I take little breaks outside for my water, but otherwise, Oof. you know, I'm able to work very well there. I'm kind of having to shift a little bit to have the discipline to work from home on that project. Okay, okay. Well, listen, I'm grateful you've actually been able to keep it going based on what you were saying before. I mean, technology, I always tell folks, isn't technology grand? Or it is usually grand when it wants to be. But the fact that, you know, technology has been able, has allotted a lot of folks to be able to work from home in spite of everything that's going on, myself included. So I, I too am grateful for that because if it wasn't for that, most likely I would not be able to work from home. So like you, I'm extremely grateful for that. Um, you can continue your podcast going on. And, and I know that keeps you busy and, and you add that into your structured day, don't you? Yes, I do. Yeah. I do. Um, the nice thing is, is that I have plenty of lead time before I actually have to sit down and do the interview. This last episode was uh, recorded off of a video chat platform mm -hmm. and it sounded okay. Nice. It sounded okay. It's not as clean as the studio. You know, I'm a studio rat. I mm -hmm. like as much as we've got all this field equipment to use at Brick. Right. But I haven't taken out any of the field equipment because I like working in the studio. That's where I'm comfortable. My background is in live radio. Mm -hmm. So 
for years and years, I was conducting interviews in a studio setting. Okay. I got to say the video chat platform is different, but I'm getting used to it. Listen, that's all we can do is just work with what we have, right? Right. What's the, what's the name of your podcast? The name of my podcast is The Roulette Tapes. It is a production of Roulette Intermedium, which is a performing arts center in downtown Brooklyn. That performing arts center has been in business for 40 years. They first were in Tribeca in Manhattan, and then later, years later, they moved to Brooklyn. But they have an archive that goes back to the 1980s audio recordings, video recordings, and they got funding from the National Endowment for the Arts and the Grammy Museum to really? put their archives into a digital format. So now that their archives are pretty much finished with all the digitizing, the archives are pretty much set. The National Endowment for the Arts was also supporting their radio programming. They have a radio program that airs maybe once a month on a radio station upstate. And when I wanted to start a podcast, I wanted to start a podcast with an arts presenter because I thought that's a good way to find material to interview people on upcoming performances, things like that. And I needed someone to sponsor me for classes at Brick because I'm not a Brooklyn resident. I was right. looking for a nonprofit in Brooklyn. And things just came together because I had many friends who were affiliated with Roulette mm -hmm. and I went to one of their events and then the next day I called them up and I was like, you know, I, I need a sponsor to take some media class and I can offer some in-kind services and they said great why don't you why don't you produce a podcast for us okay. so it all worked out beautifully it all worked out beautifully I also want to give a shout out to the Recording Academy Music Cares program because they provided me with support and encouragement to launch the podcast and to continue the podcast. I don't think I would really have the courage to get back into music journalism if it weren't for the Recording Academy Music Cares program. So that is a charity that I always try to support. They gave me support when I needed it. And yeah, they're out there trying to support music people who are out of work now because of the COVID-19 crisis. So they're doing a number of different fundraisers and I'm trying to support them and I'm trying to constantly share all those all those posts on social media to get the word out that these people need to need to be supported. No, that's that's my charity of choice. They're an awesome group of people. They have offices in New York, LA and Nashville. Mm. And they do a lot for people in the music business. And when I really needed some assistance with something, but also I just needed some emotional support, they were there. They were absolutely there. Um, you know, they found out that I had been a radio host in jazz radio for nine years. And mm -hmm. they were like, yes, you're one of our people. So they were great. They were absolutely amazing. That's really, really good. I'm really, really happy for you. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to say or add or, you know, mention to the folks before we go? Um, I would just like to say that Brick is another organization that really deserves a lot of support. I think people don't realize in Brooklyn, people mm -hmm. don't even know about it sometimes except for the concerts of the band show. They don't hear that much about it. They don't realize how broad and expansive educational resources are at Brick, plus the community educational resources just in the arts programming. That alone is great for families, 
for adults, for kids. The programming of brick all around is just has an enormous impact on Brooklyn, and a lot of people don't even know about it yet. So uh, just a shout out to brick. Brick is amazing. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for your time, Susan. I just hold on tight. I hope hopefully keep your fingers crossed. We won't be like this for long, you know, and you'll be able exactly. to work and interact with folks in the meantime, you know, just zoom with folks or FaceTime if you have a phone as best yeah. you can. And just, you know, keep those relationships nice and strong until we can have a human interaction again. Indeed, indeed. Jessica, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, this was a pleasure too. Thank you so much. Okay. You take care, stay healthy and stay safe. Thank you.